Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Harlan College Sports Podcast Network. It's a round mound of sound, Andrew Zimmel, coming to you again as we have NFL Draft Recap, baseballs and a free fall. We're not going to talk about them a whole lot today. We're going to talk about commitments, 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 commitments. I'm committed to you. You're committed to the show. If you're really committed to the show, you'll subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. Please help us continue to grow. You're doing a really good job sharing the content wherever you get it. Let's continue to uh, build on that. Subscribe, rate, review wherever you get the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever. And if you use Apple Podcasts, well, boy, do I have a deal for you. You can win. You will win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. Send that screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, the big boss. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And go over there and follow them on Twitter as well because they put out a ton of great content. I love looking at what our uh, Twitter guys are doing over there. All right, we're going to do a draft recap. I know the NFL draft happened this past weekend, but I have thoughts, I have opinions, and uh, we got to make sure we highlight everybody that got drafted. This is the biggest moment of some of these young men's lives. we got to talk about it. Eight TCU players drafted into the NFL, the National Football League. Eight Horned Frogs were drafted. It's the most selections for TCU. Since the NFL began with the current seven-round model, and it equals the most Horned Frogs taken in a single draft since 1957. And get this, back in 1957, granted, fewer teams, 30-round draft. 30-round draft. Now, I don't imagine that they televised it. In fact, I know they didn't televise it. But imagine your pick number 3,000 in the 30-round draft, right? You guys sit in the green room. What about a uh, Will Levis type falling in that situation? Kind of tough. All right, let's get into it. Eight players drafted, and of course, a lot of uh, the prime guys off of one of the, if not the greatest, TCU football team ever. Yeah, I said it. Won a Fiesta Bowl, played a national championship. This is the best team ever assembled in TCU history, and, uh, you know, there are some guys that I think in a couple of years, potentially, I'm not saying get your number retired, but I do think that they're going to go into the TCU Hall of Fame as a team. All right. First guy off the board, 21st overall pick, first round, it was a no-brainer. We talked about it last week. It's Quinn Johnson. He was the Fiesta Bowl MVP over 2,100 yards in his TCU career, 16 touchdowns. I loved this pick. I liked where it went. Uh, look, goes to the Chargers. Got Justin Herbert. Also, we'll talk about another Charger here later in the show who got drafted. His quarterback got drafted that same team, but we'll, I, rem- I, uh, I, I would be remiss not to talk about Quinn Johnson to start. I thought this was the best wide receiver, if not the second-best wide receiver. The NFL scouts agreed with me. Zay Flowers out of Boston College. A lot of people were talking about him being the best receiver. I said the way that Johnson played in the Big 12 in a conference that is full of great pass catchers he was the best. And Quinn Johnson, he's the 18th first-round selection for TCU in their history. He's the third TCU wide receiver drafted in the first round since 2016. And this is what I'm getting at. A lot of teams want to call themselves wide receiver U or quarterback U or DBU, right? Running back U. I think that what TCU has really been able to do recently is get pass catchers. 
They've been able to get tight ends, wide receivers, running backs able to catch on the backfield. And the way that the NFL has kind of gone in the past decade turned more into a pass-happy league. Everybody said, oh, the Big 12, oh, the Big 12, they don't play any defense. All they do is throw the ball around. If there was ever a team that kind of encapsulated that, it was TCU since they've joined the Big 12. TCU was the first team that really said, you know what? You guys want to throw the ball around the park? We'll throw the ball around the yard with you. We're not afraid of it. And Quinn Johnson is, in a lot of people's minds, my mind as well, the epitome of the TCU wide receiver. So to see him go in the first round was a no-brainer. To see him go at pick number 21 was a no-brainer. To the Chargers, I love that situation. Justin Herbert, an established quarterback, one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. If you're a fantasy owner, I'm one of those guys. I try to think with my head, not with my heart. Quinn Johnson is going to be really tough to pass up in dynasty leagues to me. I think this is going to be a guy that if you draft him, you're going to want to keep him. You're going to stash him. He might not do a lot the first six weeks. I imagine the back half of the season, especially with the way the Chargers are using Keenan Allen, and he's kind of out the door. I think Quinn Johnson has a really good shot here to be an impact player right away. Maybe he doesn't get those fantasy numbers that you want in the first couple weeks, but I think he's going to be an impact player for the Chargers, and that's exactly what you look at in a first-round pick. So I'm really happy that's the first one off the board. Steve Alva, he's the second-round, 36th overall pick to the L.A. Rams. Now the Rams, they won the Super Bowl two years ago. They're in a little bit of a rebuild. They got an offensive lineman who can do a lot. 46 games between the center, the guard, and the tackle positions over the four years at TCU. He registered his first first year in Fort Worth, so he comes in the league a little bit older. But that's kind of what you look at as an uh, offensive lineman. You know, as a wide receiver, a quarterback, sometimes NFL teams – they might turn their nose up at that. They want to get somebody who's going to be around for a while. Offensive lineman is one of those weird positions where you're either out of the league in three years or you're a 13-year starter, and there's really no in-between. I like this pick for the Rams. I like that they got a guy who's a three-time All-Conference player, a first-team All-American last year. He was a team captain. He anchored the offensive line. He made sure that Duggan had plenty of time in the backfield uh, to kind of look around. He did not allow a single sack this season through the 15 games when he was playing center this year. Great pick for the Rams. I'm going, I'm, I'm not going to say that any of these teams made a, a mistake. But this was a good pick for the Rams because they're trying to make sure that Matthew Stafford stays upright. They got an older quarterback. They're trying to figure out what that team is going to look like in a couple years. They got a good one. This is one of the rare times that the Rams had a pick in the first couple rounds. Remember, they emptied the, uh, they emptied everything. They emptied all of the drawers to make those big trades, to swing those massive trades. So to go get somebody like this is good. And this is another thing that I took notice of. The last game of the season was played at SoFi Stadium in L.A., where TCU, you know, we try to forget about it. We try not to reminisce about it. I try not to talk about it on the show. I kind of got embarrassed by Georgia, okay? The fact is that a lot of these players went to L.A. teams, which makes me think the NFL scouts who were in that building watching those guys play, said, you know what? They can play here. They can play in Hollywood. They can play under the hot lights, which is where you want to be as a program. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, Condre Miller, third round, 71st pick to the New Orleans Saints. It's interesting. Miller has a lot of the same characteristics that former Tennessee volunteer running back Alvin Kamara, the current running back one in uh, New Orleans, he has a lot of those same traits, which is something I've talked about all year is that TCU had a pass-catching running back. 
Played 33 games at TCU, 2,400 yards, uh, 6.7 yards per carry, 26 TDs while adding 200 and or uh, 229 yards uh, and a score through the air this season. He was handed the reins last year. He exploded for 1,500 yards and 17 TDs. He rushed over 100 yards per game this season. Uh, he couldn't play the national championship, which was a big dis- factor in uh, TCU's offense against Georgia. Not having your number one running back, that never is a good thing. And he also he didn't have a pro day. So we talked. I said maybe he slides down the boards because of this. I think that's kind of what happened. The third round for Miller, after you saw some of the running backs that got picked in the first round. Uh, look, I loved B. John Robinson. You know, I'm never going to be a Texas guy. I, I do support Texas players. You know what I mean? Once they're out of the out of the conference, out, out of the burnt orange, you, you look at him and you say, hey, man, I hope nothing but success for you, just as long as you're not playing against my team, right? I didn't think Miller was that far off from Robinson. Now, he went in the first round, the first 10 picks. Miller goes in the third round at pick 71. You think to yourself, okay, the Falcons drafted this running back. The Saints draft this running back. These two players are going to face off against each other, not physically because, one, they both play running back, but those teams are going to face off each other twice a year. I talked about Johnson as a fantasy player. Miller, depending on Alvin Kamara's situation and what the Saints want to do, if they want to move off some money, if they want to trade the player, cut the player, whatever they want to do with Kamara, who has a little bit of legal issues as well, dating back to last year where he had a, a domestic violence issue, not against you know a spouse or something, but I think, I think he hit somebody at a bar. Um, he's got like assault issues going on right now. You don't know if the NFL cracks down on that. Getting Miller in the third round is a steal for the Saints. Uh, moving on. Dylan Horton, the fourth round pick to the Houston Texans. He had a breakout campaign last year. The 3-3-5 defense, he got 10 sacks and uh, had four sacks in that win in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. This is another one of those situations that we talked about during bowl season. I said, when you play on big stages, your players make big plays, you help your draft stock. And that's exactly what had happened here to Horton. He goes probably from undrafted to the fourth round because of that big game against Michigan. I really like uh, the pick, of course. Not shocking here. Doesn't sound like I'm going to say any of these picks are bad. Uh, Darius Davis, fourth round pick to the L.A. Chargers. This is where I thought to myself, okay, you're going to go get both of the T.C. wide receivers. We've seen it happen with other teams. You get your college quarterback, you get your college wide receivers, and good things happen. This is where I get a little interested. Because Darius Davis, decorated career, five years with TCU, 1,500 yards, nine receiving touchdowns. Uh, He was electric in the return game. He has big, uh, I think somebody said he had shades of uh, uh, returner vibes. You know, you don't ever want to compare anybody to Devin Hester. You don't want to compare him to a future Hall of Famer, potentially. And one of the guys who kind of revolutionized their position when it comes to kick returner. Davis has a lot of those same skills. First team All Big 12, first team All American, uh, special teams player of the year as a returner in the Big 12. So you're looking at a guy who has a lot of uh, the traits that you look for, maybe not so much out of a wide receiver three or four, but somebody that you can plug in there and potentially get you a couple yards on kick returns, which, again, a lot of the best players in the NFL started in that position and then worked their way into the rotation in the wide receiver room, in the running back room. I like the pick. 
I love him going with the Chargers and with Johnson because now you have two college uh, quarter or college wide receivers in the same room together in one of the best offenses in uh, Sonny Dykes. Smart head coach, a guy who can run. I right? imagine had some of that NFL, that pro football kind of conversations in the locker room. I like the pick. Uh, I like getting the college teammates. I think that that is something that not enough people talk about uh, when we when we're moving into the 2020s. I think you're going to see more of the college teammate combination, either quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, running back. I like it. Uh, moving on. Travius Hodges Tomlinson. Uh, I didn't think he was going to get picked. He went in the sixth round to the LA Rams. The Rams, again, looking at somebody who played on the big stage at SoFi Stadium, saying to themselves, like, hey, this is a guy that we can add. This is a guy who potentially can make some big moves. The Rams having uh, Aaron Donald, an aging superstar, Jalen Ramsey, his way out of uh, the Rams, allegedly. You're looking at somebody that could kind of, I'm not saying fill that hole, but you're looking at somebody in THT who could come in and maybe fill a hole. Right? You're looking at somebody who had a very good season at TCU in a pass-happy uh, conference. TCU defensive backs, defensive backs in the Big 12 in general, haven't really gotten that stock tick that we saw SEC corners get in the past couple of years as the SEC has moved into a more pass-happy conference as well. Those defensive backs, I feel, have kind of gotten a tick up when it comes to the way that we talk about them. Big 12 corners and safeties haven't. THT, I think, is one of those guys who deserve to get that tick up. Uh, he won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back in college football. 50 tackles, 18 pass breakups, three interceptions, and a forced fumble, which helped TCU get to that undefeated regular season. D. Winters, sixth-round pick, the 216th pick to the 49ers. First-team All-Big 12 linebacker playing 48 games for TCU. 246, sa- 246 tackles. 12 and a half sacks, three interceptions, including interception, returned for a touchdown against Michigan in the semifinals. And he also won defensive player of the game for that one, the defensive MVP award for that game. D. Winters going to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan makes it work. Kyle Shanahan and that coaching staff and GM have always seemed to make it work. So I like the situation. However, a little bit undersized. In the sixth and seventh round, you're kind of just looking for value. You're looking for guys who can fill some holes, some immediate needs, maybe a practice squad player. I'm curious to see what the 3-3-5 does when it comes to linebackers and defensive tackles for TCU. If NFL scouts, NFL front offices look at the 3-3-5 and say to themselves, you know, it's more of a defensive back heavy defense. The defensive backs are doing a lot of the heavy lifting here. I wonder if that will play any role or any part in some of the linebackers' defensive tackles going forward for TCU if they keep this defense uh, for the foreseeable future, which it looks like they are, if that will kind of affect how we think about those guys. All right. The player of the draft, the guy I was looking for, the guy I say that wouldn't go, might go undrafted, got picked up in the seventh round to the LA Chargers. It's Max Duggan. Now, Max Duggan at six foot two, two hundred and seven pounds, is the steal of the draft, in my opinion. He's a steal of the draft because if he played at Oklahoma, if he would have played at Oklahoma a couple years ago, if he would have played at Clemson, Alabama, 
I think that Duggan goes in the first round, and I think that we're talking about Max Duggan as a gamer, as a baller, as that guy, the Mac Jones type, you know? Because of the way the final game played out, because Duggan lost his starting job before the season to Chandler Morris, I think that we're in a situation that he got undervalued, which means the L.A. Chargers got... I'm not going to say the best quarterback in the draft. I'm going to say the best round to and on quarterback in the draft. I liked Max Duggan more than I liked Will Levis. I don't know what the the highs on Will Levis were. What I saw of Max Duggan this year was the best player in college football, in my opinion. The best player in college football because Caleb Williams is more physically gifted. He won the Heisman. Max Duggan did everything he could to get TCU not only to the college football playoffs, he looked great in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. In the game against Georgia, TCU was just overmanned. And maybe that's the case. Maybe Max Duggan, when he's faced with NFL-type talent, you know, Jalen Carter, he goes in the first 10 picks to the Eagles. He was a big part of that uh, that defense for the Bulldogs. I, I just think to myself, maybe that's part of it. But, man... 9,600 yards, 73 TDs. He rushed for over 1,800 yards and 28 TDs in his career at TCU. He filled up the trophy case. He won pretty much every award imaginable for a uh, quarterback this past season. The Earl Campbell Award, the uh, Tyler Rose, right? Like the second-team All-American, the first-team All-Big 12, the Heisman runner-up. I'm telling you, if he would have played at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, if he would have played somewhere else and gotten that kind of prestige – if it wasn't TCU, essentially, if it wasn't the name on the front of the jersey, I think that we we're talking about a different type of uh, outcome here. The leadership that he showed tells me that he's a guy, he's a baller. He goes to the uh, Chargers that do not have a clear-cut backup for Justin Herbert. I'm rooting for Justin Herbert. I'm rooting for Justin Herbert because if he succeeds, that means Davis and Johnson succeed. But in a perfect world, man, I would love to see Max Duggan play some football because I think that he has a good possibility here to be an excellent backup for years to come. He gives me a lot of those Colt McCoy, Baker Mayfield vibes, man. You know, like Baker Mayfield, undersized, compact, passing, uh, could really light up the scoreboard when he's healthy. Colt McCoy, leadership. You know, I know that the two blasphemous names to con- you know compare him to, Baker Mayfield, goes to, plays Oklahoma, played at Tech. Colt McCoy, winning quarterback at Texas. I know that's blasphemy to say, but those are the type of guys that I look at him and I see him in those veins. A little bit undersized, a gamer, a baller, and for him to fall to the seventh round, insane to me. Now, of course, I'm never going to compare anybody to the GOAT. I'm never going to compare anybody to Tom Brady. A six-round pick, there's value later in the draft. But, man, I look at Duggan and I say to myself, guys, this is a kid who, if given the right opportunity, God forbid something happens to Justin Herbert, he's on a lot of different fantasy teams, he's a lot of different people's favorite quarterback in the league, I wish nothing but the best for Justin Herbert. But if Max Duggan gets a shot here, I'll be proven wrong if he stinks, I'll be proven wrong if he sucks, I don't think he sucks, I don't think I'm going to be proven wrong. I think that Max Duggan's a guy who, if given the opportunity to play in the NFL, if given the opportunity to get a game starting in the NFL, could win you some ball games. And that's all you need. You just need an opportunity. He got his opportunity. He's going to the Chargers. I guarantee you he's going to have an excellent career. All right, three other guys signed as und- uh, undrafted free agents. The one that I cared most about was Alan Ali. 
who goes to the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings fans were talking to me, telling me, what do you think? I said this is an incredible signing. I love the TCU offensive line. Getting him is a big deal. Um, Tay Barber goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, they've got some question marks. Baker Mayfield's their quarterback over there. It's not the same Baker Mayfield from when he was drafted by any means. He's dealing with some injuries. He's trying to revitalize or rejuvenate, revitalize his career. I'm curious to see if Barber gets any playing time or if he's going to be a practice squad guy. And running back Imari DiMarcio, uh, he goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Again, that entire organization is kind of a dumpster fire. I'll be curious to see uh, if that is a, just a practice player. But I think Alan Ali has a really shot, really good shot here to get some playing time for the Vikings. I think that with the way the Vikings training staff has gone, as somebody who keeps up with the team, covers the team, the training staff over there is questionable when it comes to offensive linemen. They never seem to be healthy. I like Ali's shot to uh, get some playing time. All right, we've already gone 20 minutes talking about the NFL draft. we got to talk a little bit more football. TCU football commits, okay? Another post-spring transfer. Everybody seems to be moving around. I saw a stat that it said like 20% of college football players, have play, FBS players, have gone into the transfer portal at some point at this point now. I think it was something like 3,200 uh, players have entered and exited and entered and exited and entered and exited this uh essentially a merry-go-round. Um, well, one of those guys ended up in Fort Worth. It's Colton Deary, who announced his commitment on Sunday. Spent one season with the Maryland Terrapins, appearing in 10 games, two starts at center, 6'4", 295 pounds from Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. He gives TCU much-needed depth in the interior offensive line. When he was coming out of high school, he was ranked number 12 center prospect before signing with Maryland. So TCU potentially gets somebody here who could give much-needed depth to the center position. I'm always curious to see how those offensive linemen depth charts go because for the average fan, unless you're a diehard like us, for the average fan, it's kind of just a rotation of fat guys. It's kind of just a rotation of big fellas coming in and leaving, almost like the NBA center. You don't really need to know what their names are. You just need them to grab some rebounds. You don't really know what their names are. You just need them to build a hole for you. So, TCU gets a commitment. Basketball. Mark Campbell, man, he has been on the fire trail. The women's basketball coach for TCU. He signed another player over the weekend, former Cal State Fullerton guard Una Yakovic, I want to say. It becomes the third new player to join TCU. She spent two seasons with the Titans and took a significant step forward from her sophomore year. She averaged 14.6 points. Three and a half rebounds and almost four assists while shooting 42% from the floor this past season. So, TC women's basketball, man. The men's team was great this season. The women's team, awful. They have been nothing to talk about. Head coach Mark Campbell is really changing that. He is really getting this team back on their feet and back into a position where they're going to be competing, hopefully, in the next couple of seasons for a Big 12 conference title. Again, I like conference titles. Uh, more than I, I really care about going to... Well, I care about going to the big dance. I think winning the conference is a really big deal. I think winning the conference tournament is the biggest deal. I, I'm a weirdo. I rank it this way. Conference title, making the NCAA tournament at this point, right? Because, granted, maybe things change. I don't expect this TC women's basketball team to be making an Elite Eight or a Final Four run anytime soon. But this is the way I look at it. I go, win the conference tournament, because that's really, to me, the most important thing. Go to the NCAA tournament. Win the regular season. Winning the regular season doesn't really matter anymore to me. 
I don't really. It does not jazz me up winning the regular season, conference tournament, getting to the uh, NCAA tournament, and you know, let's get to the elite. You know, I think that's a good bar to set. Uh, it's a high bar to set for the women's basketball team, but I think it's a good bar to set. All right, TCU baseball. They are in a free fall. Do not let the UGV um, UGRV win on Tuesday confuse you. It's a 14-4 win. Went seven innings. TCU baseball looked incredible against uh, the uh, lesser talented UGRV team. But look, I mean, you don't know. Sometimes this baseball team will surprise you and they'll lay an egg. And sometimes you're shocked because they look so good. But here's the deal. They're 1-5 in their last six Big 12 games. They were swept by WVU last week or two weeks ago. They lost two of three to UT at home. Uh, it's the final month of the season. They're 8-10 and 10 in the conference. They're in seventh place in the Big 12. This is a TCU team that I said could win the Big 12, win the Big 12 tournament, and potentially make up some noise in the college baseball playoffs. And uh, at this point, man, we'll talk about them next week more uh, because that'll be like kind of the halfway point of the month, and we can kind of recap and decide where we, how we feel and what we can expect from this baseball, baseball team. But this back half of the season, the pitching just has never really figured itself out. The hitting has done a good job. Got some guys that are up for uh, some major awards. I imagine a couple of the players will talk next week, of course, about guys who potentially are in the running for Golden Spikes, Big 12 Player of the Year. Uh, potentially, I don't. Uh, I I almost feel kind of guilty saying that because I don't really know if you can honestly say that there's some guys on this team that could be up for that award. The way that Tech and TCU and or not TCU, the way that Tech and uh, Texas have been playing, WVU, the way that those teams have been playing, it's almost embarrassing to say that TCU might have some guys. They're going to get at least two players on the All Big Twelve team, but Player of the Year. I think that that's an open and shut case. I don't think TCU has any any case for that. Pitcher of the year, pitching staff of the year, those are all long gone, and which is disappointing because I thought that TCU had a shot to. I'm not saying sweep those awards, but get some guys on those teams. And I, I just don't. I don't know, especially the first team. I don't know the first team. Maybe some second team guys. I don't know first team. Um, that'll do it. Hypno Toad Podcast. Remember, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get it. I want to thank you guys again for listening on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Remember, you can win. You will win a free koozie uh, if you send a screenshot of your iTunes review to Pete Mundo, the big boss, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That'll do it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Horn Frogs.